Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. Hey, 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 and welcome to the Co- Rotoviz College Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wispay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Stefan LeCoe. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, Indeed, and Bet Online. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz CFB Show. Follow me at, at Wispy the Kid, and follow Stefan at Stefan LeCoe. Make sure you listen to us on the College Football Fantasy Podcast feed and as well on the Rotoviz Radio main feed. Stefan, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. I'm <laughs> doing all right, man. I actually had a really weird day yesterday. I had to uh, go to the dentist because I broke a tooth because, hey, that's that time. It's 2020. It's not over yet. Um, but they gave me this crazy, crazy uh, like medicine to take beforehand, some like uh, crazy pills. And like I basically don't remember from 8 a.m. until about 2 p.m. yesterday. It's all just a blur of... Uh, I don't know, ecstasy, maybe, uh, but they were <laughs> destroying my teeth and refixing them. Like it's, uh, it was a whole thing, but I got through it, and uh, whatever they gave me was pretty good. I, uh, I don't think I'm too far behind you. I've been putting off a visit to the dentist, so yeah. So if you notice that our uh, show is a little more disjointed and a little more um, Matt with Spay like, uh, that's because I did the show doc for the first time in loving it this season, and that's why I started off the show. We're mixing things up. It's bowl season. And uh, speaking about bowl season, having the bowl game has been a lot of fun so far. Aren't you enjoying it? Yeah. I I mean, I think so far my favorite game was the Liberty Coastal game. Just just the ridiculous drama at the end. We can, I I don't know if you want to talk about it now or later, but man, that game was just so much fun. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's been a blast. I haven't actually caught quite as much of all of the game like i've I've caught pieces of each game but i haven't really been able to sit down and watch all the games uh in completion but with what's coming up around the corner i'm sure that's all going to change i'm excited to uh not have work the rest of the week and just be able to just sit down on the couch and enjoy some football yeah i feel the same way i've been i've been jumping in watching about every game i'm like confined uh I, I watched quite a bit of BYU and UCF just because joy. Um, uh, that would actually make me sad though. I don't care. It's BYU. <laughs> like it, it, it was my boy Gabriel. Like I just wanted to see him ball out and just like go toe, go toe you know to what? toe. And I want people happen. to, 
I want people to continue to believe that Zach Wilson is the second best quarterback in this draft. So he ends up on the New York Jets and Justin Fields ends <laughs> up on like the Falcons. That's my yeah. dream. Uh, I, I've been really enjoying it. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of this Buffalo team. I, I've liked them. It wasn't the game I expected by any stretch of the imagination. Imagination, And obviously, Jarrett Patterson opted out of that game, so we didn't get to see him. But it did make me happy to see that my thoughts that this Marshall team was pretty fraudulent turned out true. And I think, as you know, I care about being right more than I care about points. So was happy about that one. Um, and then... I mean, Oklahoma State and Miami, obviously we're not happy to see Derek King go down. And I'm not, again, I was wrong about this game pretty much across the board on what I thought would happen. But it was good to see. And honestly, I, I'm kind of looking forward to diving into uh, some analysis on Brennan Presley. I need to figure out more of who he is because he was clearly the standout from that game, On at least from my perspective. Yeah, no, for sure. And it was interesting seeing how that that played out because uh, it, it did go a lot differently, a lot more different, a lot is differently. Differently is the word. That's real. That sounds weird. Please remember, everyone, that uh, English is my second language. I am from the Netherlands. So that's always my excuse. And my wife will get so mad at me when I use that as an excuse. You're like, oh, shut up. You can't use that. Um, but it did go a lot yeah, that sounds differently. differently. <laughs> it's it's still a word. Yeah, than I expected. But yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, I just this Miami team has just been so disappointing this year. Like their record would make you think they had a pretty good season, but anytime they, they played anyone relevant, they got And even when whacked. they didn't, they they were in really close games against not great teams. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm assuming Derek King is coming back next year, but I don't know if we know for sure, but He had a I think he had announced before the game that he was going to be returning. Um, okay, yeah. Now we just have to keep our fingers crossed that whatever happened to him in that yeah. game that it's it's minor enough that we won't see or that it won't af- affect him coming into this year. Um so we do need, I guess we, coming up, we do have a couple of games that we've lost to um, COVID issues. Iowa and Missouri has been canceled. Um, Arkansas, uh, Arkansas and TCU yeah. was canceled. I think that's the only one. Those are the only ones. I mean, we've lost a couple of spot games, but I think everything's yeah, I think- been filled in at this point. So, we, I mean, we haven't really had a full-on discussion about this. How excited are you for this playoff? Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned it. Yeah, but it's bit. now like in a couple of days. Yeah, and I'm now it's real. I think we're gonna get one good game and one blowout. Um, and I think you, I think everyone. Wow, it's knows weird to think that you think Notre Dame's gonna keep it close. <laughs> um, uh, you should just be happy that I think Ohio State's gonna keep it close. I know we're gonna break that one down. Uh, we're gonna break them both down, but um, I'm excited for them. I think they got the right four teams. I will be curious to see what like Texas A&M and a team like Florida and Oklahoma, like Oklahoma was never really in the hunt, but I'll be curious to see what Texas A&M is able to do if they're able to, um, you know, it's a different UNC mm-hmm. team with all the opt outs, but I'll be, I'll be curious to see like if they just roll up UNC and just like embarrass them, it will be interesting for just the sake of conversation. If, if one of these other teams, like if Alabama destroys, um, Notre Dame Notre by like Dame. 30 points, then I think it'll be an interesting discussion. But, um, but if you're Texas A&M, I guess the, the, it's difficult to make the argument of, look, we were so good. We should have been there. 
look, they got destroyed because you also got destroyed. So that's the one one thing hurting them. The the other thing we do need to mention, uh, I guess, a little bit is, yeah, these opt-outs. I know North Carolina got hit hard. Um, I know the game is playing tonight. Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, Florida's missing pretty much anyone who's ever tried to catch a football. Obviously, that game will be over by the time this show gets out. But uh, Kyle Trask is going to have an opportunity to prove that he can throw to anyone. So this will be... Okay, I want you to tell everyone... Okay, as you said, we're recording this Wednesday. The game has not yet started. Wisconsin just finished. What is the score? (laughs) What's the score in the Florida OU game? I want you to uh, do a little little bit of, you know, fortune-telling here. And and who has the most receptions or yards for for the Gators? Florida or for the game? For the Gators. Um, For the Gators... Justin Shorter will have the most receptions. Um, I do, that isn't necessarily saying a lot. I just think he's he comes into this game with like 20-something receptions on the year. He's the most prolific receiver entering the game. I think he has to be the one they go to because they actually have started using him a decent amount down the end of the year. Um, as for score, I'm not super confident in Florida anymore. Um, I think Oklahoma's probably going to put up something like 42 um, maybe 45 and I, I don't think I don't think they'll be dead dead but I I still think we probably only see this Florida offense get to like 31 so I still think it's a pretty high scoring game I still think there's a decent amount of fun and there will probably be moments where it feels pretty close but I think this is just a game where Oklahoma is regularly in control so if I'm wrong you can all laugh at me mom uh, <laughs> yeah um it is funny when we did this game last week it was Oklahoma plus three. Now it's Oklahoma minus seven and a half. Just, I mean, 10 and a half point points, like a, a right, swing yeah. is, is pretty unheard of. Uh, but, you know, like you said, when you've got th- this many offensive weapons opting out, it's uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for Florida. And it really is a shame. Uh, you you kind of wonder what, what would have been if this was like, do you think it would have been any different if it was a New Year's Six game? Or, or do you just think no. no matter what, if it wasn't a playoff, these guys were taken off? I think it, that Tony and... Uh, Tony and Pitts, and I'm sure someone else is out, but I don't care about them. Um, Tony, Tony and Pitts. Pitts, I think Grimes as well. Yeah, so those three, I think they all pretty much made up their mind after that LSU game that yeah. once once they got through the SEC championship, take their take their shot at Alabama because realistically, if you're Florida, which is bigger, beating Alabama or winning a random bowl game? I think the answer is probably beating oh, Alabama absolutely. and they, they came much, much closer to that than I think most of us would have anticipated. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we got, I got that one wrong uh, when we, when we bet that one, um, but that <laughs> goodness gracious, uh, it was a fun game though. I, I am curious what, what not round, uh, what pick do you think Kyle Pitts? If I said uh, over under number 10 in the NFL draft for Kyle over. Pitts, over being worse than that. So you think he will not be a top 10 pick? No, I do okay. not. As much as I would love to see him get drafted that high, I think a lot of NFL teams don't see him as a tight end. They will see him similar to a receiver, and it'll kind of see him slip down. I, I mean, I still think he's probably like within the top 20, but I just think that that top 10 is going to have probably as much as I'm fighting it. I still, I bet you there's probably four quarterbacks taken in the top 10. And I think that, I mean, you got Penny Sewell, you have um, probably one of chase and 
uh, Devonta Smith, and then you'll see a bunch of. Like, I don't disagree, players. but then I think about a guy like T.J. Hawkinson, who I don't think was nearly as um, as he wasn't as good a receiver, as, but he was a he was seen as like he went number best. eight. Yeah, but he was the he was an elite blocker. I think well. Pitts goes. I, I, so I I will bet you. Um, I'll send you a case of your favorite beer, a nice Deal. some 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 natty lights if Hawkinson Deal. goes outside um, the top ten. And I will I will send you a six pack of something something craft from your area. I love it. I love it. All right, Kyle Pitts, my boy. <laughs> okay, let's um let's keep moving here. Oh wait, no, you're the host. I don't have to worry about that. You can worry about that. Well, let's get, move on. Let's uh, let's take a quick look back at our locks that we have actually covered last week, and then we'll uh, take a quick break, and then we'll jump into the full bowl week review. Um, we each had three three locks last week, uh, two uh, and two of them have played. Uh, I locked up uh, Oklahoma State Miami under fifty eight and a half. As I said in the pre start to this, I was wrong about my analysis. There were a whole lot more points. Uh, I also had the Hawaii and Houston under largely because it was super windy. That game went pretty much as expected. And then uh, I have the Florida and Oklahoma over 71 and a half. A little bit more concerned about that one than I was when I made the pick, but we move on. Yeah. And then that number's dropped to 65. So kind of want to adjust that in the notes, but that's again, <laughs> we, we can't do that. But yeah, I actually probably will uh, place a little bit more on that one now that it's gone to 65 or maybe I should just, count my uh, losses now i was uh one-on-one on the week so far um i had miami plus two as we mentioned miami got down quick could not get back in it um and then uh buffalo minus four and a half you you talked a little bit about that and i thought they did um a great job it was a, it was a low scoring game i think it was a lot lower than we anticipated but still a lot of fun um so yeah i um i'm curious what will happen in this one and i'm curious because I haven't really looked down at the show doc yet. I am curious to see how many locks you have. Like, cause I was pretty short, uh, you know, just three each. And one of them I stole from you. Uh, Quit so, pulling me into stuff. I know. I'm curious what this week, what your, what your locks are, are going to look like. I don't have a ton, uh, but uh, I have a feeling that I'll probably be adding to it as we go along. Absolutely. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Other, unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers you a short list of quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact on a moment's notice on a moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash blue wire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through tomorrow. Yeah. Well through today. Cause it's uh by the time I get this <laughs> out, December be... 31st terms and conditions <laughs> yeah. apply. Yeah. All right. So we did have a fun bowl week last week. Uh, we jumped in. We started off the week with the Ho- Hawaii against Houston in the New Mexico bowl. 
And while I did pick the under in this game, I did have the wrong side as I took Houston and Hawaii took this game down 28 to 14 with a Houston as an 11 point favorite. Um, yeah, bowl season's crazy because yeah. you have to figure out what teams are going to care. And apparently Vegas thought Houston would care and they did not. Uh, I always uh, find that so difficult to kind of see beforehand. Like I listen to a bunch of podcasts, uh, a bunch of betting podcasts, and, and it's not just in um, for like college football, but you often hear about like, well, who's going to get up for this game and all this kind of stuff. And there's so many different narratives that you can spin to me. I don't know. I, I think we've talked about this before, but how much do you buy into that, Matt? Like, do you think you can kind of predict which teams are going to be prepared and up for it and which teams aren't? Or do you think it's like, we won't know till after the fact? Kind of. Um, I think there are certain trend ones, but I wouldn't guess, I wouldn't have picked Houston as one of those spots. I think for um, a team that chose to come to a bowl game when a lot of teams are just choosing to stay out of it, I wouldn't have thought Houston was a team that wouldn't care. Um, right, because Holgerson, I feel like he's been pretty good with like his teams in the past, getting them up for games, but maybe that's just me misremembering things. I don't know. But uh, I mean, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, thing to consider because there really isn't a way to try and identify these. Like you can look at opt-outs, you can look at um, teams that had like playoff implications, but the truth is it when you're talking about these like lower level teams, it's just kind of um, like you almost have to like do like weird things like Hawaii traveled on an eight hour flight. I don't have any idea how long it takes to fly from Hawaii to New Mexico. And yeah, that game wasn't even in New Mexico, right? Somewhere else. I was in Frisco, Texas, I think. Yeah. So they had to fly across the country to do this game. And whereas Houston had to drive a few hours and yeah, uh, maybe that should have been something we considered, but the truth is, I, I mean, who knows? I, I mean, I'll probably right. use some stupid narrative logic um, in one of our later games, but to be honest, no idea most of the time. Yeah, I kind of use it as a tiebreaker, I guess, because I'd rather just I'd rather just bet on the better team or who I presume is the better team, and you know, see if they showed up or not. Unless it's a team that or a coach. I think is probably more accurate that as just has a history of not showing up, then maybe it'll, it'll change for me a little bit. But uh, for the most part, I I'm going to use it as a tiebreaker and not something that I'm like, well, sure. They're way more talented, but they don't care about this game. They're not going to play. And cause you just never know. Um, yeah. Anyway, All I was right. just curious what your thoughts were on that. No, I, I think that was a good discussion. Uh, the Camellia bowl, uh, with Buffalo beating Marshall 17 to 10, uh, Buffalo ended up covering their four and a half point spread. We both got that one, right? And again, Jared Patterson was not in this game, so it wasn't exactly the Buffalo that we've come to know. I mean, do you have any real thoughts coming out of this game? I think... Well, I, I mean, instead of instead of giving Patterson a bunch of carries and giving Marks also a bunch of carries, they just gave it all to Marks. He had 35 of their 38 running back runs. So, like, they just relied on him. And, and he only averaged... I mean, he averaged just under four yards a carry, so it wasn't like he was... Uh, just good gashing them but he was just consistently running the ball he had over he had like 135 140 yards and a touchdown um they just you know they just yeah. willed willed their way to victory <laughs> i mean know? they they won the game they wanted to they were not going to stray from whatever their offensive game plan was and in this situation it was we're gonna run the ball a lot 
Um, they did throw the ball. I mean, they, they had 27 pass attempts, so it wasn't exactly like a, a pure ground and pound offense. They were trying to mix it up a little bit with Van Treese, but I mean, I think this game kind of showed Buffalo was the team that was going to steamroll the Mac. They weren't going to steamroll everyone. And Marshall maybe wasn't as good as we really thought. And um, I mean, I don't have a a huge takeaway from this. I don't think there's a lot of actionable advice from this. I don't think anyone from this game should be on anyone's radar. Um, If yeah, we can move on. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's move on uh, to a game that has even less implications for us. Uh, Georgia state beats Western Kentucky 39, 21 in the lending tree bowl. Both of us picked Georgia state. Uh, only thing I can say about these two teams, Georgia state does run the ball quite a bit. Um, Cornelius Brown is kind of fun. I watched none of this, not a second. I wish I could, I wish I did. Cause it would have been a little bit fun, but not. I actually one did. <laughs> I actually did, uh, watch some of this game because I was waiting for some of the other games to start. And I actually bet quite a bit. Of, I actually put quite a bit down on Georgia state. Um, how, I, digging into a little bit more and then like hearing people break this particular game down. Um, I just really wish I would have spent a little bit more time in the research phase because this would have made the locks for sure. But with the other games that we are looking at and so many uh, bowl games on the slate, Western Kentucky, Georgia state, it was not one I cared too much about. Uh, But man, to me, like it, it, the writing was on the wall. This is one that, uh, you know, I wish I would have told our good listeners to, uh, to, to bet heavily on because it it seemed like, um, you know, the game kind of went as expected with the running game in Western Kentucky's inability to stop it. So that was my only takeaway from this one was that, that I, I wish I could have given our, our, uh, our good listeners some insight on this one because it was, it was kind of, you know, writing on the wall pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably was the right, I mean, it definitely was the right side in this one. And yeah, I, I can safely say I did not spend much time thinking about that game. So I get yeah. why you did not. Uh, the first responders bowl, Louisiana just really barely beat UTSA. Uh, they were 14 point favorites and they only won 31 to 24. You and I both picked the raging Cajuns. Um, again, I, this, this was one of the ones that I think I had on for the entire game, but it was one that was on and I didn't pay much attention, but yeah. uh, Levi Lewis is a player that I just like to watch. He's a lot of fun. Um, and he's the quarterback for, he's the quarterback Louisiana. for Louisiana. Yeah. For those. Of and you um, UTSA has my favorite name in all of college football, Sincere McCormick. Um, yes. Always fun. Um, but to be honest, I think uh, Elijah Mitchell is a fun running back for Louisiana. I don't necessarily think he has. He's a guy that came up a few times last year in my uh, group of five rundown. Uh, last year he had over 1100 yards and 16 touchdowns. The prior you had, uh, 977 yards and 13 touchdowns this year. He was a little more limited. Uh, it seems like him and Trey Regis were splitting even more 878 yards and eight touchdowns this year, uh, average nearly 10 yards per reception, um, on his 16 reception. So he's an interesting name. Uh, I don't think he'll get drafted. I do think he'll end up on a, like he'll be a priority UDFA for some players or uh, for some yeah. teams they'll look at him, but just a name to keep in mind. He's, he does have some talent and is a player that if he ends up in like a super, like 
a, a decent landing spot with a, a weak ish depth chart. Just keep an eye on him. If you're in like one of those super crazy deep leagues where almost every player in the NFL gets drafted. Right. Oh, it's interesting. And I'm curious about your take on this because um, you are much more uh, eager to the ground when it comes to, you know, the, the smaller schools. I mean, Louisiana had a, had a good year, so they're not like completely unheard of, but the guy in the broadcast, I forget who it was. He, he was talking about how like this um, Louisiana team has two running backs that will be playing on Sundays. And I don't know. I, I mean, you mentioned Mitchell, but like this, this Vegas kid, is Trey, good. Vegas, yeah. Like he's a senior. Um, I don't know. He's, it's a, fa- it's one of those things that announcers like to say, Oh, this guy will be playing on Sunday. I'll be honest. If either one of them are in the top, 15 running backs drafted i'll be a little bit surprised and i think they're both good like regus was 820 yards last year and 1100 yards the previous year and 800 yards before that like he's been very consistent and he's averaged looks like pretty close to six yards per carry for his entire career he's a good running back it's just yeah he's a senior he's probably not going to go be a freak athlete at the combine and when you're coming out of louisiana your numbers kind of have to be eye popping. Like right. we, like I've mentioned, I, I think Jared Patterson's an amazing player. I think in real life football, he's really good, but I also think he's going to be a late day three pick. I don't think we're looking at um, Kareem hunt level draft stock. And that's kind of where you have to take it into consideration. So will they be playing on Sundays? You know, maybe they'll be on a good special teams unit somewhere. Maybe they will be a, like, They'll make a roster in every like two to three weeks. They'll they'll see the field. But yeah, I, I think that was just announcer talk for, hey, they have good running backs. Yeah, that's good. Um, now uh, let's I move think- on to what I, I think we both would agree was probably the bowl of this season so far. So far, yeah. Um, Liberty just barely holds off Coastal at the end, 37 to 34. They were actually seven-point underdogs in this game. We both picked Liberty in this game. I how, how did neither one of us lock this up? Uh, I should have, but as you know, I hate Hugh Freeze. Um, that's true, and that's part. Uh, honestly, what a fucking game. <laughs> that's not why I didn't. That's really not why I uh, why I pick, didn't pick it. Honestly, I didn't want to pick against this Coastal Carolina team because they made me look real foolish when I picked against them uh, against BYU. Right. I I thought they were a pretty physical team. I thought that they were going to kind of bring a different level of physicality to this Liberty team that they hadn't really seen all year. Um, but boy, they got off to a bad start. Um, yeah, they were in a 14-point hole early. And Malik Willis was kind of moving the ball at will against them, um, at least in the first quarter. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they tightened things up. They got back into this game. And then, yeah, I mean... Liberty blocks the field goal in overtime to hold on to the win. It's I I uh I don't know what to say. I, I'm I'm sad well, to see this undefeated season come down for Coastal Carolina. I would have actually kind of liked to see them pull a UCF and just claim they were national champions, even though they definitely did not have the case that UCF had. But I mean they were fun. It was a fun year, and Grayson McCall is only a redshirt freshman, so we will get to see him for a few more years. They're going to be fun. They're going to be fun for a little while. Yeah, and I think we should talk a little bit more about this game, just how it ended, because 
it was hilarious where and and this was it was interesting this game was going on at the same time as the the Raiders game and they both kind of had that same situation where they the team the Raiders and Liberty were at like the five yard line and there was enough time on the clock they didn't want to score too quickly so they were both like we'll just we'll run it run out run out the clock stay out of the end zone and then you know kick a field goal to win it and in both cases um it turned out poorly. So in this game, uh, the running back is ru- running towards the end zone and he goes to stop. Um, this was uh, Mac. Joshua Mac uh, is running towards the end zone and he tries to like hit the brakes and the team just grabs him like the defense and starts pulling him into the end zone while his offensive linemen are trying to pull him back. And he tries to contort his body and put the ball behind him so that he can't like so that the ball won't cross the plane and then he fumbles it and Coastal recovers. And it was just like the craziest thing. And then the same thing happened in the Raiders game where they they uh, go for the field goal and then um, end up losing the game. Uh, it was just hilarious. And it makes you wonder like if coaches uh, get a little bit too cute. Like to me, if, if you don't want to score the touchdown, take a fucking knee. Like don't, yeah. don't fumble the ball don't risk those types of things just take a knee it's not bad like from an analytic perspective it's it's a fine decision i think scoring the touchdown in those both those situations would have been fine too but like you're just risking too much by letting players uh run the ball around but it was a crazy ending um as someone who had bet the uh i bet the money line i'd also uh teased this had this game in a couple of teasers i was like oh crap if if liberty ends up losing this game by seven and i push um <laughs> i'm gonna be pretty furious <laughs> yeah i i mean uh, i i can't blame you for that i mean i think that liberty was really interesting in this one and i i yeah that that ending sequence is is definitely don't overthink this i always every time when teams are like oh well they don't want to score too soon they don't want to score too soon get in the end zone, take the points, be up by seven and just bank on your defense, being able to make one play or yeah. two plays or um, take a knee, but don't or, run the ball. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't get, don't get cute. Um, we do get another year of Malik Willis. Um, it does seem like all of the Hugh freeze buzz to anywhere is gone. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy because Hugh freeze can stay at his trash school and do trash things. Um, but I will watch another year of Hugh Freeze offense with Malik Willis, and you, I can promise you that I will have quite a bit of Liberty bets next year in my locks. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's right on. Uh, last night we had the Cheez It Bowl with Oklahoma State beating Miami thirty-seven to thirty-four. Derek King did go out early in this game. Um, yeah, like like you kind of mentioned, Miami in this spot. It, it's weird that. They're kind of awful in bowl games. I think now this brings them to like 10 out of their last 11 games or something like that, that they've lost. Um, Yeah, just not, not great. And if you're looking for optimism from this as a Miami fan, I don't know that I have great, great, great news for you. I I think that you kept this game close when it could have gotten out of hand when King went down. Uh, Oklahoma state really was in the first quarter when it was crazy. I mean, I just think, I, I mean, I think my issue with this is that. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I, Nikosi Perry looked fine, but there's no way Nikosi Perry is your starting quarterback next year. Uh, what about that? Um, 
they have a pretty high touted uh, freshman coming in next year. Garcia. Oh, Jake Garcia. Yeah. I mean, if Derek King's healthy, Derek, but yeah, if Derek King's healthy, he's the starter. Um, if he's not healthy and can't play, I would hope that they just trot out Garcia right away and don't try with Nikosi Perry. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at this, you're looking at like Brevin Jordan had a big game. He had two touchdowns um, and 96 yards. Um, but he's gone. So cool. Um, yeah. Mark Pope uh, had quite a few drops from what I was reading. Cause I'll be honest. Once this game was out of hand early, I stopped paying attention. Um, Cameron Harris might be gone. Cameron Harris is probably, yeah. Um, it's just not, there's not a lot of optimism that should come out of this. And if you were hoping that Manny Diaz was going to make your defense good, mm. you let up 37 points to an Oklahoma state team that struggled quite a bit this year. Right. Um, Spencer Sanders kind of did whatever he felt like in this game. And a relatively no name, five foot eight receiver who had coming into this game, seven yards on the year had 118 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I mean, I think Miami fans should be really optimistic because that's what Miami fans do. But I think it might be a couple of years before Miami is truly able to compete in the ACC for, they may be in the ACC championship, but unless something changes, they're not going to be competitive. Right. Um, and we've UNC beat them this year. Like they're no, they're not even like the second best team in the ACC. No. Like it's, it's quite a drop, but let's, uh, let's remember the Alamo here and jump to the Alamo bowl where Texas beat our, uh, our, our buffs. They beat Colorado 55 to 23. And I just want to ask you one question. Is Texas uh -oh. back? <laughs> no, no. I mean, yes, they're back to being Texas where no. they get everyone's hopes up after a nice bowl win and they'll be completely overrated going into next season and completely disappoint everyone. They're going to lose to Oklahoma. They're going to lose to either Oklahoma State or Iowa State. They're going to they're, they're just going to be disappointing. They're not going to be close to the playoff there. So it depends what you mean by back like. No, I, I that was entirely a joke. I will say, um, I will I will go off on that as you no no no. I, that was that was a joke. Um, the one I will say, if you're a Texas fan, be be optimistic about the fact that it wasn't like a Sam Ellinger carrier team to a bowl win because Sam Ellinger went out early. Uh, Casey Thompson stepped in, completed eighty percent of his passes for 170 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, he is a I think he's a true sophomore. He, he looked really good. If you're uh, hoping that they get back to a traditional running game where they lean on the running backs, I I mean, Bijan Robinson, 10 carries, 183 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. You should be really excited. And then they, but they only gave him 10 carries. I think that's, everyone left that game with the same question of like, Bijan Robinson is averaging 18 yards a carry. Why does Bijan Robinson not have 20 carries? Um, right. But uh, regardless, they—I mean—they obviously won this game handily. The but the for me as a guy that wants to look at this from fantasy perspective, uh, because that's that's what I'm what I do. Uh, the big the big takeaway here is Robinson. Uh, I know that we all kind of fell in love with Jameer Gibbs and Tank Bigsby. I can tell you with absolute certainty, going into the 2021 season, 
the top 2023 running back on my board will be Bijan Robinson. He will he will absolutely be my running back one of this year's freshman class. Um, honestly, probably with Kevante Lee at number two. So, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think that should be the big takeaway. No, Texas is not back. Yes, they talent wise probably really overmatched this Buffalo team that we all liked, but they were probably playing over their head a little bit. So, well, and we mentioned that last week they had uh, their best defensive player uh, got injured in the in the game against um, shoot Utah Utah. Um, for a second, I forgot who they played because it's been a long time because they weren't able to play uh, during the Pac-12 championship week. They got um, robbed. And, yeah, and we without, know. without Lamon, like he was just he was the heart and soul of their defense, both from an emotional and leadership, but also just from a talent level. Like he is their defense and uh without him out there you could really see that they were unable to stop the run um and and that was a big problem for them so uh i do think you know the lack of depth is 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 definitely what what hurt them um against texas i mean texas you know they they were without a bunch of starters too but uh, they definitely have the depth that uh, that colorado currently lacks and uh, i think a lot of these guys uh, will be coming back for like a lot of their juniors and seniors of course will, will be coming back with this extra year of eligibility so i think colorado uh, could be an interesting sneaky team next year. I don't think they're going to like make a big splash in the Pac-12, but I do think they they'll be a team that uh that we uh we we bring up from time to time as as a good bet to uh to cover a, a point spread. And lucky for them, every single team in the Pac-12 absolutely sucks, so they will be able to compete. Uh, so let's move on. There was one game today that we uh, probably neither one of us watched a ton of. Um, no, I didn't catch it because I was Duke's Mayo Bowl. <laughs> Where Wisconsin won forty-two to twenty-eight. Uh, you had they taken Wisconsin in this one as a six and a half point favorite. I took Wake Forest, thinking that Wisconsin's offense forgot how to score points. Uh, looking at the the box score, Graham Mertz put up an eye-popping hundred and thirty yards passing and one touchdown, and the entire oh team rushed for a hundred or had one hundred and twenty-two yards, bringing their team total of uh, yardage up to uh, two hundred and sixty-six yards. <laughs> I don't heck? entirely understand how this team scored oh, forty-two Forest points. Four turnovers. Four yeah. turnovers. For Wake so, so yeah, we're going to analyze this game because we didn't watch it. But yeah, that's probably that's probably the kicker right there. <laughs> so Sam Hartman is, uh, yeah, not not an elite quarterback. Uh, boy, I I actually had high hopes for him at the start of this year. I thought if you were a college fantasy guy, he was going to be a top ten quarterback in that system. And no, no, he isn't. Yeah. Um, I that's will say. Um, for me, it is nice to see that Mertz had kind of a, not a good day, but he just kind of controlled things out there. Uh, seven, seven point six yards per attempt. Didn't throw any picks, uh, did rush for two touchdowns in this one. So I I'm probably going to move him down a little bit in my ranks just because I had him a little bit too high. He, I think I had him pushing like top 60 overall. I probably need to push him down to like that 80 range, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch a lot of this one. It's nice to see CBS, uh, Christian Beal Smith, uh, put up a nice 82 yard and a touchdown game, but yeah. Oh, one second. I do just have to say it because I just saw a- an actual eye popping stat line. Uh, Ja'Curry Robinson, who is a junior who is not ever worth considering in this, but he, if you like playing DFS, he's probably a guy you should pay attention to. He had 131 yards and three touchdowns on eight receptions. Like I said, not an NFL guy. 
don't think about him for the NFL. But if you like daily fantasy and if you like college fantasy football, um, keep an eye on him. Um, yeah. And let's let's really dive in and analyze this Cotton Bowl. Florida and Oklahoma. I mean, wasn't this just the best game ever? I mean, did oh, you wait, say it is- <laughs> 42 to 58? Is that, was that I your said prediction? 40, 42 to 31. So okay. uh, no, let's hope I'm right about that one. But obviously that game has not kicked off at this point. So rather than talking about games where I'm going to make an ass out of myself, making an assumption, let's jump into these upcoming week games where I will make a score assumption and make an ass out of myself. Uh, Starting off with the Armed Forces Bowl, we have Tulsa against Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a two and a half point underdog. Um, Who do you have in this one? I am looking something up because I heard something on a podcast earlier today and i have to see if it's true but it was mike leach's record in bowl games and it was something like one in nine awful so like when when i said that i don't um that's definitely not one in nine um when i maybe it's against the spread uh one in nine against the spread when i said like i don't often like read a whole lot into that a game like this where i already think tulsa is probably the better overall team anyway um I don't know if Leach cares too much about this. Uh, give me Tulsa. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I think the uh, the over-under is 45.5. Tulsa is favored by 2.5. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Tulsa covers and, and it's also an under. I'm not going to bet this one, but uh, that's where I would lean. So I just wanted to look that one up for you. Yeah, it, against the spread, Mike Leach is 2-8 is and eight in his career in yeah. bowl games. So... Yeah, I think that's a a decent fade right there. I'm with you on this one. I think Tulsa's defense is pretty solid. And I think that while people sort of remember that that opening week game against uh, LSU where Mississippi State put up a ton of points, this offense is really atrocious. I think this is going to be a... 21 points a game. Yeah, and you're talking about they average 21 points a game and they have a game where they scored like 60 points. So <laughs> like just, the, I mean, just factor that in is it's not only are they bad on offense, but they, they managed to average something incredibly low despite the fact that they have like one insane outlier game. So um, yeah, give me, give me Tulsa here. They're, they're probably like a top 25 defense and I, I can't imagine that LSU puts up a lot of points, which is why you might hear this about this game getting mentioned again later. Um, right. I the, wasn't locking this one up the longer we're talking about it. I, I'm, uh, I'm finding my fingers moving closer and closer to my keyboard to add something on the bottom of our dock. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we got the Arizona Bowl, which is my favorite bowl game. Not really, but it's fun. Uh, the San Jose State Aztecs. Spartans. Spartans. Yeah, I know the Mountain West. Our nine and a half point favorites against Ball State. I am taking I'm I'm Ball State. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking Ball State. Uh this team was pretty impressive to me against Buffalo in their bowl game. Uh I actually really do like Dr- uh, Drew Plitt, the quarterback for Ball State. He has been pretty solid this year. He's completing 64. Nope. Got to find the action. 65.8% of his passes with 16 touchdowns. And he's averaging just over eight point or eight yards per. Re- Boy, I can talk. It's not like I, <laughs> I get podcast every week. He's averaging 8.4 yards per attempt. Um, I think he's going to have a pretty solid game. I do think San Jose state probably ultimately wins this game, but I think ball state's kind of one of those like frisky teams that, that really wants to 
kind of changed the narrative about the Mac. Everyone thinks the Mac is atrocious. And I mean, they went out there and kind of took it to Buffalo in a way that they weren't expected to. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and kind of give this San Jose State team a game. Yeah, I had Ball State written You're down. You're changing I'm, it. I'm, I'm changing it. And not because I, I disagree it. with anything that you said. You're um, just, just like kind disagreeing of, with me, jerk face. Oh, yeah. Well, and I was like, Ball State's defense has been really good. And, and then I started looking, and they actually rank um, 121st against the pass. And I think uh, this this Starkle-led offense um, will be able to pass on them. And I, I think it's a big number. Nine and a half does scare me. Because I totally agree. I, I don't I definitely think San Jose wins this. I will this would not be one that I would want to you know, money line with ball state. Um, but San Jose is uh six and oh and one against the spread on the year. Uh, they've been taking care of business. They just beat up a, a, a Boise state team that I think is pretty damn good. And they beat them by 14. Uh, so, you know, they haven't had very many close games. They've, they've been able to put people away uh, their cl- closest game. And in, in recent memory, um, I mean, the, the Fresno in November was a la- their last close game. Um, oh, that was 2019. That's the last time they had a one like a, a one score game. So I think they're able to cover. I think they're able to to move the ball down the field uh, with Starkle and, and and company. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, lean San Jose State. Nah, I'm going to spend the next like five minutes trying to find the total in this one. Uh, speaking to your point there, I will just add a little bit to it. The Ball State pass defense uh, as allows a 49.3 passing success rate, which actually ranks seventh worst in the nation. Um, the only uh, some notable teams that are worse than them. Um, Vanderbilt, Illinois, mm-hmm. and Ole Miss. Those are some fun ones. And they're in that same conversation. Some teams that are better than that. Uh, Akron, East Carolina, Arkansas State. And I won't name a ton more, but that's just to show you the perspective. Um, I kind of am... I don't think you're, I'm not going to switch my pick, but I I am a little bit more wary. I do think the San Jose State team is going to be able to move the ball. And now you're likely going to hear that game get mentioned again. Um, (laughs) The Liberty Bowl. Army did get rescheduled. I know they had their initial bowl game canceled, but we have Army against West Virginia. And West Virginia is seven-point favorites. I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, I like taking this Service Academy team, Service Academy teams, as an underdog. Um, I don't have a lot to back that up. I just tend to think that if you aren't playing against the triple option consistently, it's hard to defend. Yeah. And they're seven and four against the spread on the year. Um, They beat, they, I mean, they haven't beat anyone like great this year, but they've played really tough. Uh, Nine and two on the year. Meanwhile, West Virginia is five and four, five, three and one against the spread. I struggled mightily with this game. Um, I feel like that's a really good number. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if this is a push with that seven. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, you know, I, I, if it was six and a half, I, I would be really confident uh, to take West Virginia. Seven and a half, I'd be pretty pretty much laying with, uh, with Army. But at seven, I'm kind of uh, split down the middle, which is super unfair. So I'm just going to lean with West Virginia. Um, but I do not feel great about it. This is not one that I'll be uh, touching at all. Really low over under, of course. It's only at 41. Um, I, I wanted to think that, you know, with with time, West Virginia would be able to uh, prepare for this option um, offense and that their rush defense would be would be up for up for the task. But um, 
I mean, their their rushing defense is is, is okay. It's twenty seventh in in the in the nation when it comes to rushing yards allowed. Um, but I just don't have enough. I just don't have enough confidence in in West Virginia to think. I mean, they just got rolled by Iowa State forty two to six. Like I'm not I'm not going to be able to back them. Um, but I mean, uh, they kept Texas to thir- uh, to seventeen points. So who knows? So um, I do think. My, sorry. No, go for it. Speaking to my point of uh, service academy underdogs, they are um, since two thousand six. Uh, service academies as an underdog are 147, 130, and 6. So a 53.1%. You do have an ROI of about 3.4%. It's not a great play, but it is generally a long-term profitable play. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, one of my favorite bowl games, um, probably my second favorite bowl game that we'll get into today is the Peach Bowl between the Georgia Bulldogs and my, my Cincinnati yes. Bearcats. Um, I'm getting right into this one. I'm taking Cincinnati. You know why? Because narrative street, baby. Uh, Cincinnati had a legitimate case uh, to get in over Notre Dame and Ohio State because, well, Notre Dame just came off a loss where they got embarrassed. Cincinnati had no losses this year. And Cincinnati played nine games, 10. I don't have any clue how many games they played. Yeah. Ohio State yeah. played a six. Gosh, how jerk faces are the committee for not even considering them? Ugh, Cincinnati. Uh, I actually like the Cincinnati defense a lot. They are pretty solid uh, team across the board. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. They rank seventh in defensive sex, su- success rate allowed. I like to mumble today. Um, and I think they're going to just tend to keep this game pretty low scoring. They are a top five team in, uh, in points allowed per opportunity. And while this Georgia offense has kind of figured things out over the last, let's say, month since they decided to switch quarterbacks, I don't know that this is a spot where they're going to be able to really get things going. This is probably the best defense they've played all year. And I understand that's a little bit blasphemous. They played Alabama. Um, But I think this is the best defense they've played all year. And I think Cincinnati is going to do a decent job of keeping this game close. And if we've talked about in the past, the teams that have a weird narrative of, well, Georgia was national championship or bust at the beginning of the year. This kind of feels like a bust. Um, The only thing I think that plays into their favor is obviously we're playing in Georgia and it's a de facto home game. But I really like this Cincinnati team to keep it close and I think we're going to be, we might hear about this game from both of us later. Yeah. Um, you, you will, you, you will. Um, I am on the other side of this. I think that Georgia, since making the transition over to Daniels, which by the way, it is ridiculous that he was not their starter from the get go. Just absolutely insane. Given how mightily they struggled uh, early on this year with just an inability to really, do anything dynamic on offense. Uh, but I think uh, they're able, their offensive line uh, is one of the, um, one of the better ones in the country. Uh, they are, according to PFF, they are uh, the number 17 offensive line in the country. Uh, they do everything well. They pass block, they run block, they, they do it all. And of course we know that their defense um, is, is really, really good. So, uh, I think Cincinnati has not played a team as good as Georgia. These guys are, I mean, Georgia is recruiting the number, like getting the number one or two recruiting class every year. 
And I think it, it shows up in a big way. Um, again, Narrative Street could bite me in the ass on this one. Maybe George is not up for it because they're disappointed uh, that they're, you know, playing in the Peach Bowl as opposed to, you know, uh, a bigger game, a playoff game. Uh, but I think, um, yeah, I think more times than not, Georgia wins this one um, handily. And so uh, that seven that seven number is is a little big, uh, but I think Georgia uh, covers, and uh, I'm I'm gonna stick with my guns on that one. I'm gonna I, I like your points, but I'm I'm gonna lean Georgia here. I am excited for this one. I think this will be a fun game. I don't think uh, either team runs away with it. All right. Well, we're gonna go to the uh, Citrus Bowl. Which fun story for this one? My sister once uh, danced in the halftime show for the Citrus Bowl back when she was in high school. Uh, but that was when that was the capital. It was pre Capital One Bowl. Whatever. Long story. Uh, but at, my sister was on dance team in high school, and at one point got to dance in this at the Citrus Bowl. So that was kind of cool. Uh, Auburn will be taking on Northwestern in this game. Northwestern is a three-point favorite. I'm backing my Big Ten teams here. Um, I'm taking Northwestern. I'm taking them to cover three. And I'm taking them to cover three in the ugliest game possible um, because they're going to make Bo Nix look silly. And I, while the one, my only hesitation about taking Northwestern in this game is the fact that they will be missing. I got to find his name before I sound like an idiot. Um, they will be missing one of their, uh, top defensive backs, uh, Greg Newsom, who was all yeah. big 10. Um, I, that one's kind of big to me, but I, Auburn is missing Anthony Schwartz, who is, while he is not their elite receiver, Seth Williams is their better one. Anthony Schwartz is kind of the speed guy for them. I do think that lacking Schwartz in this game will kind of make Auburn very limited in their attack because while Northwestern isn't this super athletic team that'll be able to completely shut out Seth Williams, they are a very, very good defense. And I don't see... Northwestern having another stinker in the running game or in the run defense like they had against Ohio State. And I think they'll probably do a decent job shutting down Tank Bigsby in this one. And I will say Tank Bigsby, unless you've heard um, something more recently, last I checked, uh, he's questionable for the game. So that that with a hip injury. So that could uh, that could uh, make your lean of uh, Northwestern uh, even more so. I'm, I'm with you on this one. I think Northwestern takes care of business here. I don't know if Auburn... Um, if Auburn has a skill to to score a lot on Northwestern, I could see. I mean, the, the total on this one's a forty three and a half. That's a really really low number. You know, I don't like messing with numbers in the low forties. Uh, but I think I think North yeah I think Northwestern uh, makes this a nasty, dirty game, and it's a it's a low scoring squeaker that they uh, they they find a way to win like Northwestern often does. I mean, they're six one and one against the spread. They've done really really well, um, and Auburn's just five and five. So I'm going to go with Northwestern here. I think uh, I think Patty Fitz uh, gets gets his boys up for this one, and they and they take care of business. And because I just love saying it, uh, yeah. Again, you will be hearing about this one later on. Uh, Can I ask you a question? No. Newsom, you mentioned he he's a, he's Newsom the second. What's the difference between that and a junior senior situation? Like, why isn't he uh, absolutely nothing? It okay. is it is in so fact a junior. There, when you're a, the second. Um, it's because you want to be cool. No, I I don't I don't have a great great logic for it. Um, his dad's weird. Um, didn't want to have a junior, but did want to have a, a the second. Uh, moving on, we will uh, 
Let's get to the Gator Bowl. We have NC State Game taking on of the week, get, taking on Kentucky. Um, I'm gonna a be blunt. Six, a four and six Kentucky. Ugh. Hey, hey, you know what? Give me that Kentucky Wildcats. <laughs> I, I'm here. banking on uh, Stoops getting his boys ready for this one because. While we always talk about like, oh, well, the SEC doesn't care about bowl games. The SEC doesn't care about bowl games. You know who cares about bowl games? Kentucky cares about bowl games because for them, they don't see them very often. So when they go, they want to win. And yeah, they have an offensive success rate of 42.9%. Yeah, they run the ball on 63.7% of plays. Yeah, that's probably because they have a passing success rate of 31.4%. I don't care. Across the board, genuinely do not care. Um, I think they're going to get up for this game. Uh, NC State is actually a pretty solid team, and but they do struggle to get teams off the field. They allow 3.87 points per opportunity. Um, that's, that's not good. That's below average. Um, and I just think that Kentucky is just going to be a little bit more fired up for this one. Literally no feel for this game yet. I actually, in the next, like, 28 hours have to go sit down and come up with a play for this game that I feel most confident in. I'm going to be honest with everyone right now. I it's not there yet. I don't have it yet. Um, but I'm going to take Kentucky because of a heavy lean. Okay. Who, who do you think? And I know this is, you know, the law of transitive properties. So it doesn't actually work, but do you, do you, would you take Kentucky minus two and a half against Liberty? No. And NC state beat that Liberty team. I know it was only a one point win. Was a lot that took place, but this NC State team has shown an ability to win games. They're eight and three. I believe in them. I was surprised that they were um, underdogs in this one. So giving them uh, as an underdog, I really enjoy it. I mean, NC State is six and three against the spread in their last nine. Um, I'm 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 bought in on this Wolfpack team, man. I think they're going to be able to take care of uh, take care of your uh, Kentucky Wildcats. And uh, yeah, to me, this one is a uh, I feel really good about this one, to be honest with you. So I'm riding with NC State. I will tell you that big money in this game has come in on the uh, NC State side. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, haven't done enough research on it yet. Uh, This is a gut. This is a gut feel. And because I love Big Blue Nation, because I used to take shots at them every single week, um, and they're 11 fans. um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with the eleven fans. I'm gonna be the ninth fan watching this week. There we go. Uh, let's jump into the Outback Bowl. This is a game that I actually I do like this game a lot. It's Indiana and Ole Miss. Indiana is an eight point favorite. Um, where are you sitting on this one? Yeah. So I um, went back and forth. At first, I was thinking that eight points was too much, uh, given that you know, like Indiana is on their backup quarterback. But then I realized how many players have opted out on Ole Miss' side. Um, They're going to be without a lot of the names that we are used to seeing uh, put up points. Uh, Ely's out. Like Ely's out. Uh, Elijah Moore is out. Yaboa, the tight end, is out. Um, Braylon Sanders. Sanders. are both questionable to play. So, like, they've just got too many people missing. And and, and I don't know if Ole Miss has the talent to, I mean, Corral, we've seen him be inconsistent. Um, I mean, what was that one game where he had like six or seven interceptions? I mean, I just, I just think it's it's too much to ask. I think Indiana's defense is up for it, and they're able to to stop this 
really great offense, but I just can't trust them to be great with as many pieces as they're missing. So I had originally put Ole Miss, but I, I switched it to Indiana after, you know, just seeing how many people were out and, you know, Indiana, I mean, we were talking about how, how fun of a story like Arkansas was earlier this year. Um, Indiana seven and zero against the spread this year. So uh, let's, let's roll with them one more time. I I'm with you on this one. I I'm on Indiana actually for as much as I, I joked about it. I'm this one wasn't super close for me. Uh, ever since they went out and handled their business against Wisconsin, I've really kind of changed my tune about this Indiana team because I thought they were an average defense. I thought they were a team that was, uh, that Ohio state should have been able to move the ball on even better. And but now look, looking a little bit closer to the numbers, you see some kind of really eye-popping numbers. They create havoc on 20.4% of plays. They only allow 2.325, um, which is too many decimal points to care about. So let's just take it down to two. 2.3 points per opportunity. So that means that even if teams do get in the 40, they're not coming away with points on the regular. That means uh, they're doing a good job of like bending but not breaking. And... Uh, they're only allowing an offensive success rate of 40.7, and they are above average against both the run and the pass. Um, and, and they're really not allowing a lot of explosive plays. So you're talking about a defense now that is really going to be kind of built to hold back an Ole Miss offense that, yeah, it's proven that Lane Kiffin's system can work, and it can. But when Matt Corral's out there looking for his five foot nine favorite target, he's not going to see him. And if Ely's not in the backfield with him, I think this is going to be kind of one of those times where they ask a little too much of Matt Corral. And I think this is where he makes some mistakes. And I, I just don't see this Indiana team making a lot of mistakes. So give me Indiana. I'll take it with eight and a half. I would probably take it up to nine and a half because I do think they end up winning this one by about 10. Yeah, um, I can see. Now let's jump to probably your favorite game of the entire thing. It's the Orange Bowl with Texas A&M and North Carolina. There's a little bit of inside baseball here. Um, that's not the next game on our show, Doc, but I did this to mess with my uh, my favorite co-host. Uh, so we have Texas A&M, who is a seven and a half point favorite against North Carolina. And North Carolina is going to be without quite a few players in this one. They're missing our favorite guy, Diami Brown, uh, Michael Carter, Chaz Surratt. I thought they were, didn't Javante Williams, isn't he also sitting out of this one? I thought I saw that. He wasn't on the list I'm looking at right now. Um, Texas A&M doesn't have anyone as of the list I'm looking at. Um, I'm taking Texas A&M. I think that this team does kind of have the the motivation going into it. I think they they do feel like they kind of got robbed, that they, they should have been in the mix and they should have been considered and honestly I don't agree with them, but I do think that this team is, is pretty solid. I'm not sure how they get it done. Um, but I also don't know that I fully trust Sam Howell to constantly throw to not Diami Brown and create consistent offense. And without two running backs who very well might be day two picks. I think this offense is going to take a hit and we've seen that their defense can be exploited so yeah. without the 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 crutch of the running game, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take Texas A and M. I'm I agree with you. I think I don't have much to add, honestly. The only thing that I might add is uh Sam Howell, when he's been effective, is 
is after the running game gets going after um, Carter and um, Williams have been able to carve up the defense. He's able to, to throw on teams because they're, they're so fearful of that. Like you said, having to rely on Sam Howell against a, a pretty solid defense. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to, to score like they have in the past. And because of that, um, we, we know this defense is pretty leaky. Um, I don't feel great about them uh, stopping Texas A&M. I do think this is a, a fairly close game. Um, I wanted to play North Carolina, but with all the opt-outs, it just I just couldn't do it. So uh, I'm, I'm with Texas A&M here. I'm definitely buying the hook on this one. Um, I, I, I did want to talk to you a little bit uh, when we do our, um, our locks. I, I have a couple teasers that I want to throw out there because I think uh, bull season is the time for some teasers. And uh, this one's definitely on there for me. Since we kind of stopped keeping track of our uh, official season-long uh, bet list, I am I am okay getting weird at the end of this, um, which is why uh, you will probably hear me just throw a money line pick in there at one point. So, um, yeah, uh, I will say if you're playing uh, the short slate college DFS one for this, Daz Newsom should be pretty much locked in your lineup. Um, without, without Williams, without Carter, he's going to have Sam Howell's going to have no choice, but to throw to Newsom. So he may not have an, an amazing game just because the attention's going to be on him, but the volume also has to be going his way because where else is the offense going to come from? All right. Yeah. I guess we can, I guess it's time we can talk about the Fiesta bowl, Oregon at Iowa or not at, but playing against Iowa state here. Uh, Iowa state is a four point favorite. I don't have a huge reasoning other than I don't trust Oregon's defense a ton. And I, while I don't think Purdy is going to do anything, I do think I, I haven't actually seen anywhere that Brees Hall is, is sitting out of this. Now, if that changes, my pick changes, but if Brees Hall is playing, give me Iowa state all day. He is as of now. And to me, to me, this is a really interesting matchup. I think Iowa state is what everyone thinks Oregon is <laughs> like, like what everyone hopes Oregon could be on offense is what Iowa state has been. Like they have just been dominant um, running the ball. I mean, you look at their numbers. It's actually really, really interesting. They both average 249 passing yards a game um, and then rushing yards. Oregon averages 180 while uh, Iowa state is up to 192 uh, per game. I think that Iowa state is able to dominate at the line of scrimmage, I think Brees Hall has an absolute monster day, and I think it's just a little bit too much for Oregon. Uh, Oregon, they're they're missing C.J. Verdell again. Now, Die has been uh, dynamic, if you will, uh, pun most definitely intended, because if anyone ever says something like that and then says pun not intended, they're lying to you. Um, but, but too many injuries on defense. Um, Justin Flo is is still um is still out. Uh, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a tough a tough day at the office for Oregon. I think they're up for it. I don't think it's a matter of not wanting it. Um I, I think they're they're going to be playing their hearts out. I just don't think it's going to be enough against a, an Iowa State offense that is is well suited to take care of the the deficiencies in Oregon's run defense. Uh so so for that reason I'm I'm unfortunately um you know leaning against my beloved Ducks. Um yeah, I just think the the run game is is where it's it's going to all come down to this. I mean, uh, Oregon got fortunate to get those two early turnovers against SC. Otherwise, that's a completely different game. 
Uh, it's a pretty pretty hefty over-under at 57 and a half. Um, I would lean the under on that one. But again, um, when when teams get rolling with the run game and, you know, it's easy to think like in the NFL, you're like, oh, teams run a lot, go under because the clock will be, you know, um, won't won't be stopping. It'll just keep ticking away. But a game like this where the, the clock stops after first downs, like I, I could see Brees Hall, um, you know, having numerous 10 plus yard rushes. So um, unfortunately I'm, I'm going with the, with the uh, Cyclones here. I, I guess I'm fine with that um, because you're a trader. Um, we'll start with the Rose Bowl um, because I think you and I are both going to have very similar analysis in this one. Notre Dame against Alabama and Alabama is a 19 and a half point favorite. Uh, I'm taking the Crimson Tide. We've, we've talked about it all year. Uh, there are a lot of lines that are just, I see it and I'm going to just not think it's enough. I don't know what number would have been enough for me against this Notre Dame team. And while I do think this Notre Dame team is better than like 2012 and really all of their other playoff appearances, we we've talked about it all year. They, they just don't have the explosiveness to keep up in this game and, Alabama has that avalanche offense that once it gets going, it's it's really, really hard to stop. And while I do think Notre Dame is a um is good and will probably have moments similar to like how Georgia had moments in the in early on against Alabama. Was it Alabama? Yeah, where they had moments against Alabama early on where they were able to like stop them every once in a while. I just don't know that they can stop them enough times that it'll make up for the fact that Notre Dame's just not going to be able to score that much because Alabama's not going to let Kyron Williams beat them. So if if Notre Dame is going to score consistently, it's going to be on the arm of Ian Book. And yes, Ian Book has had moments this year, but I think that Clemson kind of put the blueprint out there. If you stop the running game, you beat Notre Dame. And Alabama saw that game. Alabama has at least equal level talent to Clemson on defense. And I think that's what they will do. I think they will win this game by more than three touchdowns. Yeah. The only reason I would be scared of this game is some silly backdoor cover. This is not going to be a close game, in my opinion, for all the reasons that you laid out. But what have we said all year about Alabama? Um, just ride or die. Like they are eight and three against the spread, going up against absolutely ridiculous numbers. I'm not going to stop that now because I think Notre Dame might be good. Um, I think Notre Dame is good. I just don't think they're near good enough to stay within three scores um, if Alabama uh, is trying. And I think. This being a playoff game, Alabama will. I think they get up by enough early enough that uh, the back door, while always in play, should not be, um, won't be the deciding factor. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, and lay the the huge number, the uh, 19 and a half with Alabama, and I think it's uh, unfortunately not a very competitive game uh, from pretty early on. I think uh, I think Alabama gets out big quick and Notre Dame is not the type of offense that can uh, compete in a game like that. So uh, I feel pretty good about this one. 
I mean, just speaking to that a little bit, Alabama is eight and three against number. Uh, if you just bet a single unit on them every single game uh, against the spread, you would be up uh, 4.65 units with an ROI of 42.3%. Nice. It, it's if you just put them down every week, you're you're probably making money. Uh, let's let's dive into the game that I care about more than anything in the world. Um, the Sugar Bowl. And it's Ohio State against Clemson. It's the rematch from last year. It's the rematch from when they kicked the crap out of them a few years ago. Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite. I'm going to let you go first. Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, these these this is becoming like a pretty fun out of conference rivalry game. Rival um, if you ever beat them. I mean. And you're zero and three against the spread too, so it's it's been it's been a, a rough go, but it's been a fun playoff game. It's been something that we've all like come to expect a, a an exciting game, and I think this will be an exciting game. I think it's going to be pretty close throughout most of it. However, I think if you play this game um, enough times, I think Clemson covers this number more often than not. Um, I. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we hit record about this game. And, and my concern with Ohio state isn't the talent. Um, I, I don't think they're, you know, significantly less talented than Clemson. I think my fear for Ohio state is I just have not really seen them uh, put together a complete game yet this year. And, and to me, if you have one bad quarter against Clemson, it, it could be too much. So I feel a little bit hesitant and a little bit fearful to bet on Ohio State. I will tell you, Matthew, that I will be rooting for Ohio State because of you. I used to hate Ohio <laughs> State. I never rooted for them. And uh, you have made me not a fan, but uh, someone who does uh, hope that they uh, come out and, and, and get some W. So uh, for your sake, I really hope uh, this takes place. I'm excited for this game. I'm excited to see uh, who I think are the two best quarterbacks in the country face off against one another. Um, I'm curious... Um, on you know Justin Fields' thumb, I, I'm sure he'll play, but is that gonna like he injured it in that last game? Is is that gonna cause some problems? Is he gonna he be able to be fine? Yeah, 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 I know he does, <laughs> but I do, I do get a little bit worried about stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure if your boy uh, Alave is gonna be back. Uh, yes. I don't know what Alan is. I will tell you, a hundred percent, Chris Alave has been spotted at practice every okay. single day this week. Um, I just see. Officially, he's still questionable. Um, he will he will be in the game. They okay. they openly while Ryan Day will not publicly say that players are back. Justin Fields has been talking about him in every single interview and how excited he is to have him back. So is Garrett Wilson. Um, yeah, hit. Yeah, I, I mean, take it away. I, I'm I'm leaning Clemson. This will not. This is not a lock for me. Um, I am excited for this game. I really hope Fields' thumb is at a hundred percent because I, I would love to see both these teams at as close to hundred percent as possible this far through the season. Uh, but I would just love to watch, watch these guys go after each other. Yep. So one of the things that um, did just get announced before this is that Clemson will be without their offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott going into this game. Um, I don't know that that makes a huge difference. I, I kind of think Clemson runs their offense, but the ability to make adjustments on the fly is probably a little more suited for a guy who's been there before. And it, compared to, someone who is his assistant. And I do think that makes a little bit of an impact, but that's really not judging or not affecting my uh, stance on this at all. 
what affects my stance on this is that everyone says that the way to beat Ohio State, and they're right, is to beat them with the explosive pass. And while last year they had Justin Ross and T. Higgins, um, who, by the way, were largely shut down by Jeffrey Okuda, Damon Arnett, and Sean Wade in the game, um, and they ended up beating them with the run, um, the thing about this year's team is that they they really don't have that. They have Amari Rogers, who is a true slot. They have um, Cornell Powell, who who does a lot of things, but there's a reason he was fifth on the depth chart last year. Um, and they have this freshman, EJ Williams, who while our colleague Travis May really, really likes him, he's not he's not T. Higgins. He's not Did he not Jalen Henderson catch last week? I don't care. You can I'm have, I mean, you can have easy. great, we, no, no, no. He is their deep threat. And I think that if I were, again, DFS, he's a guy that I probably would plug in uh, to my lineups because I think he'll find spots. Uh, I wonder if um, Ohio State's going to put him with Sean Wade if they do decide to keep Sean Wade on the outside rather than move him back into the slot. Uh, I I do wonder if Ohio State is going to kind of try and lock down that explosive play and just let Amari Rogers have those seven to 10 yard routes as much as they want to feed him. But I think the big, big thing for me here is Ohio state's defensive line was great. It's the number one defensive line in the country by pro football focus. They have a second team, all American in Haskell Garrett, who was a first team, all American in I think ESPN and CBS, I think. Um, I'll take your word for it. I think he's, I, I know he was first team all American in a couple of them, but I couldn't remember who, uh, who the two outlets were. He is really a game changer in the interior. So while Ohio state over the last few years has been able to create absurd pressure with guys like chase young and the Bosa's, they don't necessarily have that guy. Like Zach Harrison does a lot. He's, he's kind of a pin your ears back and just kind of go. Um, they don't necessarily have the freak on this team. And but what they do have is the ability to blow up the interior of an offensive line. And that is actually where Clemson struggles a little bit this year. So while Clemson's uh, offensive tackles tend to be very strong, primarily their best one is Jackson Carmen, who the fact that he's on this Clemson team still makes me want to vomit. Um, he should be on Ohio State. <laughs> if you ever really want to know the deep-seated oh, hatred that. I have for Clemson, it goes back to Jackson Carmen. Um, but uh, I do think what will happen is that Ohio State is going to make a point to not let ETN beat them. And they're not going to let the running of Trevor Lawrence beat them the same way that they did last year. I think that actually surprised them a lot, the way that Trevor Lawrence was so mobile. And I think if they can go out of their way to shut down those two aspects of Clemson, and I'm not saying that's going to be easy, then what you're looking at is a Clemson team that will be relying on a true freshman to create explosive plays and an underneath receiver to create bigger plays based on yards after uh, yards after catch. And I just don't know that that is the recipe to put up 50 points against Ohio State. And I'm not saying they need 50 points, but I do think that they're going to need quite a few points in this one. And I think that Ohio State is going to come out and look a lot better than they did against Northwestern. I think Chris Olave proved how important he was. I've been saying all year that he was the alpha on that team. 
went even though Garrett Wilson was the superstar in the in the making and he was the one that had more yards and all that, but the alpha wide receiver, the one that really changed the game for them was Chris Olave. And I think with his security blanket back, you are going to see a better Justin Fields. And I also, I mean, if we're talking narrative, who cares more about this game? I mean, go on Ohio State football's uh, YouTube channel right now. Go look at that trailer they just put out there. Listen to Chris Olave narrate how much this game means to them and know that they have that score, 29-23, from last year's game, sitting in their, like, their football team center. It is shown there every single day since that game ended. This game means more to them than anything. This is, if they had won the national championship but didn't get a shot at Clemson, they would have been disappointed. And I, I feel the same way I felt in 2014 where I thought that this team was being overlooked for a bunch of different reasons. And I really, in my heart, believe that Ohio State is going to walk away from this game winning and then we'll take a crack at Alabama when we get there. There we go. But if you're like me, you definitely should be uh, getting to bet online. Uh, the NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be at the action at bet online. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get every possible chance to win the season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championship futures all day and every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the code, the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I've already lost quite a bit of money uh, betting on the NBA, so I yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I fade the NBA because I'm bad at it. Um, so we got our locks this week. My locks list started off with two of them. Over the course of the show, I've added four more. One of them, I'm just going to start with it. I mentioned it before um, in just moments ago. I'm taking Ohio State on the money line at plus 250 as a lock. And the reason I'm not taking the points is actually based on an article that I read last week on Action Network, which is that you, you shouldn't really take underdogs in the points because... Underdogs have, since 2015, underdogs have won in 201 instances overall, so at 36.9%. Underdogs have covered but still lost in only 80 occurrences, so at 14.8%. And favorites have just outright covered at a rate of 47.7%, an occurrence at 40, or I'm sorry, at 256 occurrences. So what does that tell you? It says that if you're going to, if you really have this great feel about an underdog that they're being undervalued, that you are actually more profitable if you consistently bet that type of team to just outright win than you would be to bet on them to cover because you're less likely to actually pull off a cover than you are to get an outright win. So if you like Clemson, uh, don't bet the money line and just give up points. Bet them to cover because more likely they, they're going to cover than they are to just squeak by. Like, squeak by in this one, at least historically speaking. So I do think it's an that's an interesting one uh, thing that I saw out there. And I think it was the three to seven point like underdogs were the most profitable, which makes some sense. But mm-hmm. uh, 
I, I really do feel good about this Ohio State team. I'm sorry if you back have been backing me on them all year and getting annoyed, but I, I don't know. There's something about a team that has been looking forward to one game the entire year. There's no look ahead spot here. This is this is their this is kind of their Super Bowl. So give me Ohio State at plus two fifty on the money line. I like it. I, I it's bold, but I agree with that. Uh, with that take if you're if you're gonna bet them bet the money line i like that get some value there um i'm gonna go with uh you know you you and your homerism i'm gonna go the opposite way i'm gonna take a shit on my ducks i'm taking iowa state um i think the best number i can the best number i've been able to see is minus three and a half um and so i, I think iowa state is able to uh, to cover that number unfortunately i think it's a close game uh because i think uh, i think Oregon will be able to, their defense has been playing better of late. Um, I, I think they'll be able to keep it within, you know, a touchdown, but I don't think that they uh, keep it close enough. So um, Iowa State minus three and a half for all the things I laid out earlier. If you want that one, bet it quick because that, lum- that number does appear to be moving, uh, moving more and more towards Iowa State. A lot more lines have it at four and four and a half. So if you can find yeah. a three and a half, jump on it quick. All right. I hate Mike Leach. Oh, I, I guess I should have more analysis than that. Um, that's, that's the uh, that's the take. My, my take is Mississippi State team total under 22 and a half. Like we mentioned, they're averaging like 21 points a game anyway. They're playing against one of the better defenses they played all year. Um, they're really just not, not a good team. So don't expect them to score a lot of points. And I also, if I remember correctly, I think there's going to be some wind at that game. And if there's wind, I'm betting. And yeah, I'm just looking now. It looks like there's going to be 14 mile an hour crosswinds, which I love that. So I mean, I think (laughs) I would say that this is, this is not going to be a spot for the air raid to be super successful. There's going to be some precipitation. Um, There's going to be some wind. Yeah, get that one in quick. Um, probably would also lean on just the under in the game because Tulsa is not exactly a good offense. But I do feel very confident saying Mississippi State is not getting over twenty-one points. I am, um, I am with you on this game. I'm taking Tulsa minus two and a half as my lock for all the reasons that you just said. Um, I uh, I bet against Mississippi State last week when they fate or not last week, but last their last game when they, uh, when they were up against Missouri and that made me look foolish because that was like the best offensive outing that Mississippi state had all year. But I don't think that's going to um, lead into anything in this game. Tulsa's defense is, is, is really, really good as you laid out already. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty, pretty confident in this one. I, I, I like uh, Tulsa to, to win this game pretty comfortably. I also lean the under, but I don't want to touch an under at 45 and a half. So I'm going to avoid the under play. I know. Um, No, I, I, I actually appreciate that. Um, God, you know, 43, I mean, 40, what was it? 44 and a half, 45 and a half. That is a really low under. Screw it. Northwestern Auburn under 43 and a half. There was, there's no doubt. Pat Fitzgerald unders this year. They've been great. Um, like I said, I'm pretty sure the one time they went over on a game was because I bet on them, and uh, I don't care. I'm staying with it. If Tank Bigsby can't play, one and seven on 
Over under. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know why? It's because they want to win this game ugly and they're going to run the ball probably about 60% of plays and Auburn's defense is going to let them. This is strength on strength and weakness on weakness. Auburn's defense is quite bad, but they're going up against a Northwestern offense that is quite bad. Auburn's defense is meh, and or, but it's, it is still their strength. And uh, Northwestern's defense is very good. I'm sorry, someone point me in the direction of how they score points because they're not finding the end zone in this one. I'll, I'll just a little, a uh, little more. We we mentioned or you mentioned Northwestern one and seven on uh, unders this this year. Uh, the unders also gone. The all the unders also hit in six of Auburn's last seven games. So you've got both teams uh, that that like the under, which is why this number is so low. But to your point, I think it might also still be too high. I like that pick. But uh, you know me, that's a principal play for me to well, Pat avoid. Pat Fitzgerald, unders in his career, have an ROI of 16%, and they hit at a rate of 60%. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give you my yes, please, and that's uh, one we talked about already, disagree on. But give me NC State plus two and a half. I'm tempted to go with your... Um, so, so my lock will be because I can be a coward. My lock <laughs> will be plus two and a half. I'll bet this money line. I like that information you gave me. Uh, that was really insightful. I've often had that kind of debate in my own head. Like what, like if it's a two, two, two to three point um, spread, like if I think a team can cover, like I probably should just bet them to win outright um, if they're the underdog, because you know, you, you can get such better um, return. So I'm going to go ahead and lean, um, Lean money line, but but the lock will be plus two and a half for NC State, Kentucky. You know, I do like that one. We'll see what I end up writing. I may end up writing that play, to be very honest. I'm I'm not exactly super confident in my Kentucky pick. Uh, but you know what I am confident in? I'm confident in, boy, in Ball State's offense and Ball State's defense being bad. But I do think that this game, San Jose State, Against Ball State, I think we're going to get an over on 63.5. You mentioned Nick Starkle's been pretty solid, but this Ball State defense has been bad. And I am happy to say that I'm going to be rooting for points in at least one bowl game. And uh, so give me give me the over 63.5 on Ball State and San Jose State. All right. I don't have it on my list. Can I join you in that one? That sounds yes. like a hell of a lot of fun. And just looking at the types of um, just looking at the types of scores that these teams have been putting up, like they both average uh, over 30 points a game. So can I join you in that? Is that, is that cheating? I'm, I'm okay with you joining me on one. Yeah. I want to join you on that one because I think that is a, a slam dunk. I, I like that one a lot. Um, I'm going to give you another over that I, that I'm excited about. And that's in the Georgia Cincinnati game. Um, I know both these teams are known for their defenses, but I think that 50.5 is too small a number. The total has actually gone over in six of Georgia's last seven and over in four of Cincinnati's last five. I think these offenses get going. I think they are able to, to put up enough points. Um, and I think it's a competitive enough game for the, the vast majority of it that both teams need to keep their foot on the gas and can't uh, just uh, try to run out the clock. So I'm going to go over Georgia, Cincinnati, 50 and a half. Is that the best number out there, by the way? Because um, I, look, I, I looked at it um, yesterday, uh, and I was—I oh, wouldn't mind a uh, a lower Let's number. See that what we can do for you here. Um, ooh, fifty and a half looks like it's your number. 
All right, that's good enough. Um, I'm going to stick with that game. You know why I'm going to stick with that game? Because in Narrative Street. Um, yes. This is probably one that if I... Um, if I'm walking to the counter, I'm just going to play the money line. But I, I really do like this UC team. I do think that they're going to be able to ugly up a game in the way that Georgia hasn't seen. And this is probably a game where it's kind of like on like. And the difference is, is that Cincinnati's going to try and win the game with a dynamic running attack compared to Georgia, who has actually learned how to pass this year. Um, so I'm going to take UC plus seven. Um, really, I, I do think there's a decent chance they could win this game outright, but I, I do think that this is the best defense that Georgia's seen all year. And I think that there's a, at least a decent chance that they, they create enough havoc in this game. So they create turnovers, they create sacks that they get Georgia off the field enough times that Desmond Ritter, who, I mean, realistically, he He's probably one of those guys that should have been considered for the Heisman that but most people just don't know him. Um his numbers were good enough and I think that teams should definitely be looking at uh I mean seeing him as a really really good college player. So uh I'm taking Cincinnati. I think they keep this game pretty close. If I'm walking to the counter, I'm probably just going to take the slightly better value and take them at uh plus 195 as high as like plus 225 you can get it so yeah give me cincinnati yeah i i'm picking georgia on that one but i don't hate that play i think there is some value there uh my last one is texas a&m minus seven against uh, unc um, again main reason for this is just the amount of players that north carolina is missing i will say this if florida and i know you can't compare the two teams necessarily uh, but if Florida goes out there and just has no problem scoring against Oklahoma tonight, maybe I second guess myself and wonder if this will actually matter. Um, but probably not. I, I'm probably just going to stick with this one. It's definitely going to be a lock and um, a game that I, I think could be uh, could be over fairly fairly quickly just because of the lack of of uh, playmakers for for UNC. Also. Uh, not having their uh, one of their best linebackers in, in Surratt is, is going to be a problem for them. So Texas A&M minus seven, my final lock of, uh, well, I guess until we have the national championship game, uh, my final lock. Of- Ohio State. Yeah. I, I mean, I have one more. I feel weird about this one because this was our favorite over team all year. Ooh. Um, but I don't think this game works out in their favor. And I, like I mentioned, I think this Indiana team is really good. I think their defense is very strong. And there are crosswinds of 12 to 14 miles an hour in this game. So I'm going to take Mississippi, Ole Miss, and Indiana under 66. It's not that I don't think these teams will be able to score. It's that I don't see both of these teams getting into the 30s. Um, like I said, Indiana does a really nice job of getting teams off the field. And on offense, while they've been better than expected since losing Michael Penix, they're definitely not as explosive. So they're going to try and beat you a little bit more um, composed. They're not going to try and just like blow up everything and try and have big plays. And while I do like Stevie Scott, their running back, I kind of just don't think he's amazing. And I don't think he's going to break off anything. I think he's kind of a plotter. So, yeah. I almost want to just take Indiana too, but 
I'm going to just stick with the total for now and say that Indiana uglies this game up a little bit and they, it ends up in the twenties, not the thirties. So give me, give me the total on Ole Miss and Indiana under 66. Make sure you're shopping because there's a lot of prices out there right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to leave y'all a little something that we don't do often, but I, I love teasers because you know, you can get some value, uh, when, when they hit, um, I have a few that I really, really like. Uh, I like teasing Texas A&M against uh, North Carolina down a minus one. Basically, it, it just turns into a pick at that six and a half point uh, differential. Taking NC State all the way up to, to plus nine against Kentucky. Uh, even if Kentucky wins this game, I cannot imagine them being able to score enough points um, and keep NC State from scoring enough points that they're winning by double digits. So that plus nine feels like a, a, a great number uh, for these teams. Similarly, in, similarly in that Tulsa Mississippi State game, um, teasing Tulsa up to plus four, uh, where where you're uh, you know covering your base if if, if somehow the game uh, goes backwards and Tulsa finds himself in a hole, you still can get get through it with a with a, a narrow defeat. And then the last one is San Jose. Um, to, to minus three um i really don't think that uh ball state can win that game and so that that three points uh makes me feel pretty good so so those that that's going to be my teaser a 14 teaser that i'm, I'm going to be playing myself is tammy Uyana minus one nc state plus nine tulsa plus four and san jose state uh minus three and uh while, while matt talks i'll tell you what uh, what kind of number you can get on that wait i'm talking oh um yeah you're talking the good people want to hear all you have to say I mean, I like this play, I, like I said before, and on all of them, I, I actually think I'm coming around on the NC State one only because I think that they're they're a pretty strong team. They haven't really had any major issues. I love Tulsa. I, I think Tulsa is going to win that game comfortably. Um, San Jose State, the more and more I look at it, the more I feel less confident the ball state's going to be able to ugly it up and keep that game close. And Texas A&M, I've said it a couple of times. I like Sam Howell. He is still my QB1, even though it's much closer. Is he? I don't know. It's close. Him and Rattler are basically tied. Um, but I think he's he's going to be hurt by the fact that they're not going to be running the ball super effectively. Unless there's another running back on that team that's like secretly amazing. Um, I, I don't see a great spot for them to uh, run. And if they're not running, he's not going to be able to establish stuff. And it does look like you got me or you got a number on this one, so I can stop rambling. Yeah, I got it's a if you if you tease these games uh, to six and a half, the six and a half tease, uh, you get plus two fifty. Uh, that's pretty good value right there. I like that. I'll, I'm definitely going to play that. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend. If uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but you should, Matt, you should join me on that tease. <laughs> I, I support it. Um, yeah. I don't have any teases because I don't typically tease college because college is weird as heck, but yeah. I, I do like all of those lines individually. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm probably going to have a panic attack between now and 8 PM on January 1st. Um, I already had to reject someone asked me or my, my dad asked me to come visit him on the first and I told him that I could not subject him to my insanity during a college football game. Um, well, so, and I'm going to let everyone know my routine because this is funny to only me, but 
I work out when I'm stressed in Ohio State games. So I, I typically keep a couple of weights with me and I do a lot of push-ups because I felt <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, I get a I lot of it. nervous energy and yeah. truthfully, um, I have to take it out somewhere and it's in the middle of a game. I just start working out and doing things to alleviate my insanity. And so, yeah, I can't, I can't put my family through that because I'm a crazy person and I will yell I will um, probably not cry because I typically I'm not really a crier, but I, I will yell at my screen a lot and I will work out. And that's really weird if you're not me. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. We wouldn't want anything else, man. Next time, uh, next time we're on here, though, it'll be uh, 2021. So that's that's kind of exciting. Um, you don't know. So we yeah. won't have an emergency podcast tomorrow. J- Jim Harbaugh's reportedly almost signed an extension. So yeah. Nah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think everyone enjoy the poll games. Um, this is what happens when I host a show. We go for an hour and 40 minutes. So enjoy the uh, extra long show. Uh, Stefan, enjoy the editing. Um, do you have any... Editing. There will be no editing. Other than a little bit when I can't read. Um, right. But uh, do you have any fine words for our listeners? Bye, Chris Olave, right? Yeah, do it. All right, yeah. everyone, have really, a great... Well, might be the second to last time you get to watch him play Yeah, in college. I mean, I'll get to watch him on Sundays because he's going to be awesome, but last time as a Buckeye, so bye, Chris Olave.